Johnny. You're still afraid. Stop it now. I mean it. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Really? The following message is transmitted by request of the United States government. Reports are coming in from officials of the Undead Rising. Hi, I'm Meg. And I'm Meredith. And this is the Really Podcast. Dun, dun, dun. I bet you missed us the last two weeks, but yep. things got a little crazy. Show did. That first week. And then we were trying to play catch up the second week. Love catch up. I, I'm not a big fan, but <laughs> hey, to each their own. But hey, we're back now, and we are working on packing October full of some good stuff. Because you know us. We love our horror films. We love our Octobers. And we, we love a good theme. Yes. So, without further ado, is that how you say it? Because uh-huh. <laughs> ado is like... A big hubbub. Hubbub. Because it's like much ado about nothing, you know? It's like making a mountain out of a molehill. So we're not making further ado. Let them know what it is, Megan. Tell them. Hey! This Halloween, we are doing the Really Undead series. Let's do it! And Meredith, what is it? It's kind of like a COVID theme. Every movie that we watch in some way reflects contagion or spreading something or even in a couple of instances quarantine yes this so this one today big quarantine factor <laughs> think zombies think the undead think hence, bunkers hence the name really undead yes this this title i will say is going to be much easier to remember than our <laughs> October, Spooktober, whatever. I still don't know what it was called last semester, I last year. I think that's just what it was called. Something like I that. I think yeah. you actually said it word for word just then. <laughs> like, you accurately remembered it. I think we left doesn't have a name yet in there the whole time, though. We did. <laughs> well, it has a name now. Really undead. So... With that, let's just go ahead and jump into it. Yeah. What did we watch? Night of the Living Dead. One of my comfort movies. How a comfort movie? I mean, I get it. I get it. But, like, what do you mean? It's kind of got this this soft glow to it. It does. From the worn-out film. It's in black and white. The main character in particular just seems to be this really, like, assuring guy. Oh, yeah. He, I mean, like, yes, he has his moments of crazy and his moments of, you know, unleashing some violence and some anger on the other characters. But for the most part, I don't know. I just feel like he's looking out for everybody. And I don't know. Also, just the fact that it's a cool movie and it has a lot of, like, impact in it. Because there's other characters. When I was in, like, eighth grade, I loved Barbara. I thought she was so cool. And hearing her voice, too, like, even her as a character is kind of comforting because she's kind of just, like, Mm soft-spoken, even though she's, like, totally unhinged. Very. But before I give too much away about the characters, let's actually talk about them in depth. Okay, so let's start off with the first people we see, which is Barbara and 
her brother Johnny. You thought I was going to say George. Throughout the whole movie, <laughs> Megan kept calling him George. And I kept saying, who? <laughs> For real. Like, I swear to God, there will be one other time where I call him George. I swear. I was about to it, say. It was like, like that video. Who painted the Mona Lisa? <laughs> da Vinci? <laughs> but Barbara and Johnny are siblings and they the film opens with them driving up to a cemetery to put a wreath on their father's grave and they're kind of complaining because they got a late start because Johnny like overslept and it's a far drive and they just kind of generally don't want to do it and they don't want to be there and like any brother would do he starts picking fun at her saying like oh they're coming to get you Barbara these people they're coming to get you and there's actually like a man there in the cemetery and Barbara casually walks by yeah him. she's gonna she says she's gonna apologize to him oh and that kind of like starts the whole conflict so she runs off johnny gets left behind and then we're introduced to the next character ben, ben. who is one of my favorite like horror movie heroes mm-hmm. just because like kind of like i said earlier in light of everything that's going on he is just so level-headed and you just want to have so much faith in him throughout the whole movie i mean at least that's the way that i feel you know i mean yeah and i even mentioned to you when we were watching it he seemed like he knew everything to do mm-hmm. and i and i tried to find fault with it i was like why did what it seems like he's been living around zombies for like years like yeah he's just a really like reassuring character i'm not sure if i've already said that but i get it it's like reassuring and he is also i feel like it's important to point out he's also the only black character in this film. In the whole movie, like not even background characters or anything. He's the only one. Yep. And that brings up different elements of race, which we'll get into more in depth later. Next are, I would say, some of the more honorary characters. Yeah, definitely. Harry, Helen, and Karen, which Karen doesn't get a whole lot of screen time, but... Harry and Helen are a married couple, an older married couple. I'd say probably mid to late 30s. Early 40s. He's probably in his 40s, just based on that bald spot. But <laughs> Yeah. And Karen is their daughter, who is sick at the moment. They don't really get into... Well, they didn't say sick. They said hurt. Mm-hmm. And they don't really get into how she's hurt until later in the film, after... Uh, some broadcasts we hear over the radio and the television. Mm-hmm. Um, the next characters are Tom and Judy, and they were kind of, they were also a married couple, a younger married couple, mm-hmm. and they were hiding out in the in the cellar with Harry, Helen, and Karen while Ben and Barbara were upstairs. So they, I feel like they're a little more willing to go along. They kind of like play both sides of like who to follow um but tom i feel is just like generally willing to help yeah so he's definitely like an assist type character you know does that make sense like he's not he's not an antagonist and he's not a protagonist he's just kind of there to help yes he want he definitely is more of i guess a diplomat in that way you mm-hmm. know like he definitely wants to keep the peace and genuinely wants what's best for everyone mm-hmm. he's he's not really involved in the power struggle between he, ben yeah and harry he's definitely a people pleaser definitely 
And then, I mean, that's all the main characters we can talk about. But later on, we're going to get entities. Entities. Entities, That's what I was trying to figure out. We're going to get into... I was trying to figure out this word earlier, and I could not figure it out. But we're going to get into some entities that I kind of consider a character, but they're more entities than anything. They play a role in the plot, but they don't really have much characterization. Exactly. So, speaking of plot, Mm -hmm. Meredith, you do it best. Thank you. So, like I kind of said, it starts with Barbara and Johnny in the cemetery. She sees this thing, looks like a man, doesn't act like one. Walks like a man. (laughs) Actually, he kind of does act like one, but... Walks like a lady. (laughs) So, she runs off, and... (laughs) (laughs) So, she runs off and finds this house, presumably empty house... And she just kind of hides out in there, and she runs into Ben, who also found the house, and comes into the house. And she, like I said earlier, is just kind of completely unhinged. She's in shock. Not unhinged like Tom Hanks in The Burbs unhinged, but more like she's so shocked and like so affected by what's going on that she's like almost immobile and has trouble speaking yes like that kind of whole thing so ben is kind of like trying to calm her down and like kind of coax her out of that feeling and he's boarding up the house and he kind of starts to realize like okay well if you get these things in the head they they die again i guess (laughs) and then he finds out that they don't like fire and they don't like light so he's lighting the fireplace he's turning on all the lights the house is boarded up and then they hear a noise from the cellar, and I think Barbara is the one who, like, gets them to open the door somehow. Because oh. Ben is upstairs. Yeah. And they come up, and then it's kind of just, like, chaotic for a second, and Ben runs down. And that's when you get the first, like, alive man versus alive man <laughs> conflict, where it's like, so you heard us, Ben is like, you heard us banging around down here, like, you heard a woman screaming, and you just stayed in the basement Instead, like, somebody could have been in trouble. Somebody may need help. And Harry's like, yeah, well. We didn't know what was up here. Yeah. I'm trying to protect my family. Blah, blah, blah. Right. So that's where you cut. That's, like, kind of, like, the instigation of, the like you said, power struggle between mm-hmm. these characters. And they're trying to make a plan. They're trying to see who has a car. There's a gas pump in the yard. Um, so they need to, like, bust through this crowd of things to get to that um, so that they can drive to a safe place where there's, like, medical attention because, like like we said earlier, Karen is hurt downstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, They're bugging out. They're trying to bug out. Yeah. Like, that's literally what it's called. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, they basically fight for the whole movie about what's going to happen and who's going to be in charge. Yes. And as things start getting more intense... These things, like, start... Well, I guess before they do that, they find a radio. And that also pushes the conflict. Because it's like... It's almost like the conch. The conch shell in Lord of the Flies. Like, he who has the radio has the power, like, to be the leader, you know? Um, So they fight about that. That's the only source of communication they have because the phone lines are down. Mm -hmm. Um, And, of course, it was 1968, so... And also, it was the fact... I don't know... I know they did it with the television, but they were like, 
I, oh, the people downstairs were like, there's a radio up there. And, and you're th- leaving us down here. And then, but there's a television downstairs, I believe, or was it upstairs? I think it was upstairs, and they brought it down. Yeah, and they were like, there was a television, and you didn't, it was, it was just wild. It, it just kept growing and growing, that tension between yeah. everybody, even, well, I think it was mostly against Harry, because it was even Harry against his wife a little bit. Right, she, she was like, we need to be up where we can have communication with people, because there were scheduled broadcasts, and those kind of, like, served as, like, checkpoints in the film, almost, because it's, like, for every like period of conflict it was followed by a newscast with more information about what was going on which kind of like stirred the pot a little bit more as to like what are the next steps we're going to take to get out of here um so then like kind of i guess towards the more like climactic parts of the film the monsters start like getting into the house Mm -hmm. because they create this plan they're going to throw Molotov cocktails out of the window they're going to make a run for it to the truck to get to the gas pump so that they can fill it up and drive away and get to safety. Well, the plan backfires horribly. And Tom and Judy, because Judy insisted on going with her husband, get pretty much exploded in the truck. Not pretty much. <laughs> it is exploded. <laughs> so then that fuels Harry to be like, okay, Ben, this is your fault. Yes. Where it's like, I feel like, it felt like Harry was definitely the most cowardly character. Oh, definitely. Because I feel like there were some cues that he maybe missed and, like, steps that he could have taken to help, but he just, he didn't do it. And then now he's like, okay, well, this is Ben's fault because it was his plan. Yeah, when he probably didn't even offer a solution in the first place other than to just stay downstairs. Yeah. And... And, I mean, in the beginning, when they first met Ben and Harry, Ben basically called him a coward. I mean, Mm -hmm. just for not even, like, coming up to look and... He said, there is a woman screaming, and you you did not come up here to check. And And Harry was like, she could have been getting got by one of those things. And he was like... And you wouldn't have come to help her. Like, that was his whole... He emphasized Yeah, that's like, his point was like, you... You are so concerned about yourself that you're going to let a helpless woman die. Which, like, once Tom and Judy die, it's all downhill. Oh, yeah. Because the things are getting into the house. We find out that Karen isn't just hurt, but she was, you know, bit by one of them. Uh, Yeah, Harry is that person. Yeah. So Harry's back down in the cellar. She's a monster now. She gets him, turns him. Helen goes down, she kills Helen, and then Ben is, like, still trying to, like, fight him off at the door, but Barbara, who has, for the whole movie, her only request, her only concern is that she wants to go back and find Johnny, Mm -hmm. even though everybody's telling her, like, he's dead. Like, there's no point trying to go back and get, getting him, because he's gone. Yeah. Well... He made his way to the house with the rest of the crowd of monsters, and she sees him and almost, like, runs to him. Like, she willingly, like, she's just so, like, traumatized by what happens that she, that, that she didn't even recognize the, like, danger of it, you know? Mm-hmm. She was probably on, in another, on another plane of existence, honestly. Like, that's right. the level she was at. Right. Um, so Ben is by himself, and he makes his way down into the cellar. 
I actually got a detail wrong. What? Now that I'm thinking about it, Harry didn't get turned by Karen. He tried to steal the gun from Ben, and oh, Ben got yeah. it back and shot him to yeah. just, like, end the conflict. And then he makes his way down to the basement, shot, and then Karen gets him, and he comes back as a monster. So I left out that one detail of, like, Ben is just over it. He's yeah. not going to put up with somebody who's going to put his life in danger. Which, like, that's a, that's a really tough decision to make. Because, like, you can justify killing one of the monsters. Mm-hmm. They're already dead. They're after you. But this was, like, a quote-unquote rational human being. Well, I do have to give him a little bit of credit just because I feel like he did wait till the absolute last possible moment. Yeah. Know, to where he, like, just had to... Yeah. Which I'm not saying it's, like, cool to kill people. Right, it was just, like, he was concerned about keeping other people alive. He was, especially Barbara. And Yeah, he was very concerned about her and definitely wanted to help her. So it kind of came to, like, a last-ditch effort of, like, you are part of the problem now. Mm -hmm. And I just, I can't put up with that. So that's what actually happened to him. My apologies. Um... But once Ben is the last person standing, all these things are getting into the house, so he goes with Harry's plan and goes down into the cellar, boards it up, re-kills Harry and Karen, and it's it, it's kind of like an intense scene. It is. Because he's low on bullets, he doesn't know like how many people are down there, he doesn't know how many people are upstairs, he has nowhere to go. And you can even tell, like, physically he's emotionally conflicted. Mm-hmm. Like, he definitely didn't want to do what he did, having to re-kill them. I mean, like... Yeah. I mean, basically putting them out of their misery. Right, but, like, they had been cooped up in that house together all night through such a traumatic experience that you can definitely, like you said, yeah, see that turmoil that he's going through. Yes. That's what makes it a quarantine film. Yes. And honestly, like, that part just gave... I mean, Ben was honestly the most human one there. Absolutely. But it it gave him even more humanity. That even this man that was so against him for the longest time. Mm -hmm. And, like, even people... And I'm going to bring it up that during that time, they probably wouldn't have felt comfortable around because he was... A black man. Yes, and it was filmed, like, in 68, Mm -hmm. so... But we'll get into more of that later. Right, but I think it definitely... He definitely had the most characterization, and he was definitely the most, like you said, human, in the way that, yes, he was the hero, and what he was doing was helping to save people, but he wasn't a Mary Sue. He wasn't perfect. Mm. He hit Barbara so hard he knocked her out. He killed Harry point blank. He, you know, so it's just like, he's very, like, he's like a mix. He's not entirely good because he's made some bad choices, but he's not bad because he had good reasons for doing them, you Mm -hmm. know? And the ending of this movie is so upsetting. Because you have this government-issued, police-sanctioned militia of local townspeople who are going around finding these monsters. So when the sun comes up, they all, like, flee the house because they don't like the light. So Ben comes out of the cellar, 
and he goes and he's standing in front of a window and the militia sees him and one of them gets an order to shoot point blank between the eyes. And although he survived the whole night, he's the only one to have survived. He could have gotten out. He's killed. Yep. On a government issue. Yep. Because they think. They think. They didn't check. Nope. They didn't check. If you notice, like, they when they were... They think he's a monster. When, when they were making their way, like, through the fields, they weren't checking any of them. If they saw a person, they shot at them and tried to kill them. Hmm. 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 Now let's get into race and how that plays into this film. I'm going to let you start because you you know more about it. Yeah, well, I think, like, obviously, race is a very, like, noticeable element of this film, considering that Ben is the only black character in a time where a lot of people were very racist. Oh, yeah. The Civil Rights Act was only four years old at the time. And I, I you can just tell just by looking at Harry <laughs> that he did not like Ben. Just by looking at him, you know. And, like, through that first interaction, that first conflict, Harry has it set in his heart, no matter what, Ben is wrong and he is right. That's so true. And it's, it's like, he, they don't even have a conversation first. Yeah, he won't even hear him out or anything. Mm-hmm. He just, he's dead set on he's going to be in charge and he's not going to let anybody else, especially Ben, tell him what to do. Oh, yeah. And that makes it really difficult for Ben. (laughs) Yes. Hmm. Hmm. And then, of course, like, the obvious issue with the ending. Yeah. Being killed for no reason. Literally no reason. I wouldn't even call it probable cause. Mm Mm-mm. Because it was literally one person. Broad daylight. Shuffling around in the room. He wasn't even shuffling. I mean, yeah, that's true. That's true. He's just standing there. He was just standing there. And, like, if you can see to shoot him between the eyes, you can... Can you not see to tell that he might not be infected? Right. Because we saw... We found a colorized version of the film. And the creatures, the monsters in the colorized version of the film were obviously a very sickly, pale, crusty-looking... There wasn't a whole lot of special effects makeup, but you could definitely tell the difference between who was alive and who wasn't. Mm-hmm. Especially in the eyes. Yeah. And if you can see the shoot between the eyes, you can see the eyes. Right. So, it's very obviously about race. Mm-hmm. Except that it isn't. And go on. George A. Romero, who made the movie said that race was never an intention mm-hmm. in the film. Dwayne Jones was cast as Ben simply because he was the best actor who auditioned. Race wasn't even taken into consideration, which I think almost makes the message mean more. I think so, just because it's so, like, it's relevant, but it's accidentally relevant, so when it's accidental relevance, then it's even more relevant. Yeah. Does that make, like... Yeah, I can see, I, I can follow that, <laughs> to know what you mean. Like, that's very, um, what's that word, where it goes round and round, like a type of argument? Oh, like, like begging the claim? Something like that. I hope my professor doesn't listen to this and know that I don't know this type of fallacy. <laughs> um, yeah. 
but yeah, but I mean, it's so that that one small detail is so subtle that some people still don't know that it was an accident, even though George A. Romero said himself it was an accident. That still blows my mind, like the fact that it was just like an like an accidental like it's just ugh. yeah, but it works, it works, yeah. So, I guess we can move on to the government now, because, I mean, they... Yeah, the three, the three entities that we wanted to talk about. But I'll let you, I'll let you take the foot. On government? Well, (sighs) okay. (laughs) Well, there wasn't a whole lot of government presence compared to media presence, in my opinion. Right. Well... The media did cover the government, but it was more of the talking head at the desk saying this and this, this, this is happening. Right. Um, And whenever they did talk to government, they were mostly, like, very police force, very... um, Kind of skirting around the question. Yeah, like, what is this? Mm. What is being caused by it? And they... I think they decided that it was radiation. Yeah. From a Venus satellite, but... They had a hard time getting the government officials to, like, confirm that. Yeah, and which I think is interesting, that whole, the radiation, I think it's interesting that they used radiation as the turning point for these mutants or whatever they want to call them, and because the Cold War and all that, I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm yeah, I think, things. like, I feel like out of every relevant theme and it's like not only relevant then but relevant now between like the police and misinformation from the government but like on top of all of that you have this like the impending threat of nuclear war because I'm pretty sure we were still in Vietnam when this movie was released okay I think I might be wrong but I'm pretty sure we were I'm pretty sure we were there till the early 70s but so there's obviously, like, a war going on, and I feel like that, like, threat of radiation, like, even though I don't think it was officially the start of the Cold War yet, mm-hmm. you had, like, what happens if a nuclear bomb gets dropped on us training videos, like, in the 50s, teaching students to get under your desk, you know, as if that's going to protect you. Fear the communists. Right. So I, I think that's definitely, like, a palpable theme, and I think that's still even relevant now, because so many people are still afraid of Russia. Yeah. And still afraid of what they're capable of. So there's like, this movie is just almost timeless. And that's kind of a bad thing considering the themes that this movie talks about. Yeah. But it's just still so relevant. It is. And I think <clears throat> that's why, I mean, we, not that we enjoy the themes, but like, that's, I guess, how we were able to relate to it. Yeah, I feel like... It was almost eerie. Yeah, like, it's so often that you watch an old movie, and you're like, well, I don't really know what they're talking about. The, like, the like timely references, you know, don't really make sense because we don't... Our society isn't like that anymore. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, just look at the past six months. Everything that's been going on in the past six months pretty much has its moment in this movie. And, yes... Yes, oh my, and it's, like, 
while we were watching it, we would, every once in a while, we would look at each other, and, like, we would know what we were thinking. We were like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God. You even made a comment that the people who were joining the militia were, like, reminiscent of the people who are preparing for riots after the election. Yes. Yes. And that that even freaks me out even more. Like, it hasn't even happened yet, but you can, like see how people are still reacting to conflict the same way that they were in 1968 yes and it's all coming to fruition and it's it's freaking me out a little bit but that's what makes us the ultimate horror movie we're living in one (laughs) (laughs) oh my god so we talked a little bit about government let's go ahead and move on to the big conflict here which are the ghouls monsters flesh eaters whatever you want to call them but those are the three that the movie used because this movie was also so what's the word i'm thinking of like influential influential premiere yeah about the zombie genre that they weren't even called zombies yet and that's one thing that I notice in, like, a lot of zombie movies is they never call them zombies. Ever. Maybe, now I'm not going to say never because <laughs> absolutes are not absolute. But, but, you know, I've very rarely, I don't even think I've watched a zombie movie where they've said it. Now, I will say that there's a video game called Fallout, and Fallout 4 or it might have been New Vegas, they maybe, as an insult, called ghouls zombies. There's, like, a type of extra-radiated person, and they look very ghoulish, very zombie-like, but as, like, a slur, they call them zombies. Mm -hmm. But, and really, they're called ghouls. So that's really the only time I've ever heard them called zombies, or maybe, like, in Shaun of the Dead, you know? Right. Satire, I feel like, is more willing to use the term zombie, but films like this and other, like, legitimate zombie movies (laughs) tend to, like, stray away from that terminology. Legitimate and zombie movie, to me, just shouldn't (laughs) go together. (laughs) I swear, I, I feel like I dislike every zombie movie I watch. Except I liked Last Night's, though. But I think it's just because it made that staple. Yeah. You know? Like, that's where I give it its credit. Right. Also, fun fact, we watched this movie on October 1st, which was the anniversary of the release of the film. So, we we did actually move the schedule around a little bit to fit that in there, but kind of a cool little tidbit. What ha- other... Happy birthday, Night of the Living Dead. Yes, happy birthday. And wasn't it also... Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, its official release date was October 1st. It premiered in Austin, Texas. Wow. Which was like kind of the area it was filmed in. But if you want to know more about that movie, check out our, our previous episode. And by previous, I mean... A long time ago. Home decor life hacks with Leatherface. That's exactly the title. Yes. <laughs> so, and I like just to recap. Yeah, that whole they don't say the word zombie is interesting to mm-hmm. me. I, I'm wondering when that term was like. I know it was probably created like way before, but like why? Like why didn't they say it? 
or what made people start calling them zombies. That's something that I probably need to look into. Mm-hmm. Or I'd be interested in looking into. I think I did read about it a little bit. Okay. I think the, like, culture that he drew from was somewhere in the Caribbean. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe, I, f- I want to say Haiti, but I could definitely be wrong. But it was it was a culture kind of, like, in that area. Mm-hmm. And he kind of, like, pulled the idea of, like, living dead and all that. But... I'm sure he's not the sole inventor of zombies. It's oh. just something that he kind of was able to capitalize on in the film industry. Oh yeah, definitely. Let's go ahead and move on to the importance of media in this film. And this is something away. I love to talk about. I actually um, did a blog post about this, so if you can find our Twitter, which we'll plug at the end of the episode, through that you can find my Twitter, yes. or you can find my blog. Um, that's just kind of like a side gig. Um, but media is very important in this movie. And it kind of marks a turning point in the way horror movies are presented. Because if you take an earlier film, like Psycho, you have the characters experiencing the events of the movie. And then it ends with like a wrap-up from some kind of like authority figure saying, Okay, this is everything that just happened. Almost as a way to let the audience know in case there was something they missed. Mm-hmm. This movie is different because when it ends, it's just photography of the militia entering the house and Ben dead on the floor and the credits roll and that's it. Where you get that kind of plug of what's going on is through the radio and TV broadcasts and it kind of serves as a way to inform the characters while also informing the audience. Like, we're all on the same page. And, I mean, I imagine when the movie came out and people weren't used to zombie movies, it was definitely more useful because the audience was that much more clueless to, like, what kind of a movie this was. So, like, having that ability to present the information all at once without, like, repeating yourself. And, like, obviously... The broadcast did kind of repeat themselves, but that's just kind of like the nature of it. You know, if somebody missed the first broadcast, you want to bring them up to speed in the second one. Yeah. So you heard a lot of, you know, the killers are eating the flesh of their victims and, you know, just kind of cool stuff like that. But I like to refer to it as the transition from the golden age of horror movies, like that classical, I guess I shouldn't say golden, the classical era of Hollywood into that renaissance where you have these films presented in like an entirely new way and then of course you get to um texas chainsaw massacre i guess six years later in 1974 and that kind of introduces the final girl element and then like from there like you don't see horror movies like psycho anymore because of the way these films kind of changed the game you know and I think media is a strong element of that. Dang, you killed it. You really killed it. <laughs> Would you consider Barbara a final girl? No, because she didn't make it. I mean, that's right. But she was the last girl. But she wasn't the last character. She wasn't the survivor. There is no final anybody in this film. Because everybody dies. That's true. Mm-mm-mm. I would feel bad about spoiling, but it came out in 1968. Come on, people, catch up. <laughs> so, I came up with a little game last night that kind of correlates to the media 
And we're part of the media, too, so right. we kind of, well, we've never really done broadcast. We've written some broadcast stuff. We've sat behind a broadcast desk. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. So, the game is, well, there's not a whole bunch of rules, but just impromptu make up your own zombie broadcast, like how you as a reporter would tell the masses what's going on. Bonus points if you can do a transatlantic accent, <laughs> which I cannot. <laughs> oh god, um, this is probably going to be terrible. Okay, rock, paper, scissors, who goes first? Two out of three. Okay, they will not be able to know who's honest. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay, Okay, is it rock, paper, scissors, shoot? Paper, scissors, shoot. Okay, okay, okay. Wait, 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 wait. The the person who wins gets to go first? Let's just do one round. Oh, God. And the person who wins gets to pick who goes first. Oh, my God. Okay, okay, okay. Rock, Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh! Megan, go first. I was paper, you were scissors. Oh, I get to go first. Okay, 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 okay. Let me warm up. Oh, I scooped you. This just in. We've received... (laughs) I'll keep going. We've received word from the White House that there has been a leak from the nuclear radiation center located in, um, I believe, Washington State. And... (laughs) I don't think um was on that teleprompter, ma'am. Um. Stay in your homes. Do not go out. Nothing is worth risking your life against these creatures. We will update later when we have more information. Stay tuned for our following broadcast in an hour. Signing off. All right, all if right. any radio TV professors from any institution anywhere hear this, I am so sorry. That is not my major. <laughs> all right. I think I also meant to say DC instead of state, but I. <laughs> They're in Seattle drinking coffee, man. <laughs> I mean, they do have the zombie crap at Starbucks around Halloween time. Oh, I guess that's true. It's disgusting. It looks disgusting. It it was disgusting. <laughs> okay. Ooh, my turn. I don't believe that's on the teleprompter either. <laughs> I just flipped Meredith off. <laughs> okay. I won't look at you. Okay, okay. Good evening, folks. This is Megan Morton with ESPN News. <laughs> I don't know why. Today, I'm on today in sports. Today in sports, everything canceled due to monstrous people walking the earth and. I give up. This was terrible. You did cut way the better. Cameras, cut the cameras. <laughs> I cut write. To, I write. Cut to commercial. Ba, 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 ba. Okay, no. You win. <laughs> you win. You scooped me. You win. It caught me off guard. I wasn't ready. 
when I told you don't plan ahead, I did not plan ahead. I didn't either. And I know, I know, because you don't cheat, because you're a good person. But I just did terrible. That was bad. Zombie sports. <laughs> I don't know, ESPN like, were the only letters I could think I'm surprised of. neither of us said WKRP. I was, I, did, I wanted to avoid it. I was this close to saying it. It probably would have made me focus a little bit more if I said WKRP. This is Meredith with WKRP. W-A-C-K. Whack! (laughs) With W-K-R-P, the turkey drop has been canceled due to (laughs) a growing population of um, humanoid killers who are (laughs) eating their victims. (laughs) I wish they could have seen your face. Killers. (laughs) More at eight. (laughs) Eight what? Brains. That was good. Thanks. That was good. Thanks. I redeemed myself. Let's pull back in. Because there's one other, maybe more after that, don't know. But another important topic that we have to get into talking about, which is women. women. We always talk about women. Because I feel like women are just such a staple of the horror genre. If you think about it, it's one of the only genres that is expressly... About women taking care of themselves. Yes. Or, like, them just being treated awfully, horribly. Right. I feel like it depicts the struggle of women better than a rom-com or a drama. Because a lot of those are still, even though they're about women, they're still centered around men. Yeah, because, I mean, like, what other gender experiences more, I guess... Well, I watch a, I listen to a lot of true crime, and majority of the victims are women, especially serial killers. So to put that type of thing in a movie, and I'm not saying necessarily that the zombies or whatever are serial killers, but to have that impending threat, like a lot of women feel like they can't go and walk out at night because it's dangerous. So to have that impending threat on everybody, but especially the woman, Mm -hmm. like it's very relatable in that sense to have Mm -hmm. something potentially looming over your shoulder. And that can Mm -hmm. especially go back to movies like Scream. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, Any, I guess, thriller like that where there's a serial killer, you know? Mm -hmm. Even... Like we mentioned Psycho earlier, even that movie is centered around Janet Lee's character and how she's escaping her job and she finds herself in that dangerous situation. She's pretty much like, I'm pretty sure the only on-screen kill in the film. Like she's the only, like that scene in the shower is like... You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, and then... I don't know if I know what I'm trying to say, but as long as you do. No, 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 no. And then even with Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. In Halloween, right. Yeah, she always had that impending stalker man. And nobody wanted to believe her. Exactly. Oh, my God. We we just... Dink. We made the, the connection. Mind, we've got the minds of masterminds, y'all. We, we're just creative like that. <laughs> but... Um, and I mean, okay, to get even more deeper into the film specifically, you mentioned the roles of women in this film. Right, because although this is a very, like, forward-thinking film... It really is. The gender divide is still 
behind the times. You have the men who are doing all of the heavy lifting, who are trying to take care of the women, and they're giving tasks to the women that are just sit here, find some sheets, cut them up, which is, you know, almost symbolic of, like, sewing and housework. Mm -hmm. And you have, you know, stay with the kid downstairs. Or at one point, and it was a heartfelt moment between Tom and Judy, but he was like, can you just smile for me? Like, and, like, yes, it is sweet in that he's trying to cheer his wife up Mm -hmm. by, like, relating to an earlier, like, part of their relationship. But on, like, a bigger picture scale... The world is ending, and yeah. she's being told to just smile. And I yep. feel like, oof, oof, it's so, it's almost cringy. Yeah. Like, I feel like about half of the people who watch that would be like, oh, that's so nice, and take it at face value, while the other half, women, would be like, Because if you've ever had somebody tell you to smile, it's usually in that sense of like, yeah, I want you to look purtier, so I yeah, want like, you to oh, smile. Like, oh, smile, it's not all that bad. Or, you know, people would like you more if you smiled. Like, like I'll punch you in the throat, stupid. Like, <laughs> And then you had pointed out a, a part in the film where it almost passed the Bechdel test. Yes, and I believe it was whenever, it it was Harry's wife, what's her name? I'm so sorry. They don't mention names a whole lot oh. in this movie. Harry and Helen. Helen. So, Helen and... Yeah, think about that for a second. You have Ben, Harry, and Tom all being thrown around. How many times do you hear them say Barbara, Helen, or Karen? Rarely. 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 Rarely, rarely, rarely. Life is but a dream. (laughs) But Helen and, I believe... And Barbara. Yeah, they were talking. Kind of. Barbara wasn't. Yeah. But Helen was trying to have that interaction with her, Mm -hmm. trying to have a conversation with her. Yeah. And then, right at the very end of that conversation, she slightly mentions her husband, I think, and then... She says... The guys, or the men, or something. Or, I'm sorry about your brother, or something along those lines where... It wasn't a true conversation that would qualify for the Bechdel test because a man was brought up into it. Mm -hmm. And then even right after that, the dudes just come up running. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I wanted it to pass so bad because it was just so close. It was right right there. Oh, there was, like, there was another time where I was watching and it was really close, but mm-hmm. I don't really remember. It was, like, slight because there's not a whole yeah. lot of... They have a lot of screen time, but not dialogue. Yeah, there's almost just not a lot of depth to them. Well, surprise. <laughs> right? <laughs> but I feel like... I feel like in that sense, this horror movie isn't necessarily women-centric like other ones are mm-hmm. because it's still... Like, it's kind of like rom-com about women, where it still doesn't pass the Bechdel test because it's still about women and their relationship with men. Mm-hmm. And plus, Ben was the main character. Yeah. Even though it opens on Barbara, I think that, like, shift oh, is yeah. cool. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And then, also, one thing that I want to mention that I didn't... Well, you kind of mentioned about how, like, how she, like, runs and then grips on oh, something. Oh, yeah. She runs, like... 
<clears throat> like ten yards and then like throws herself against a tree or a grave or the corner of the house or whatever. It's very dramatic. Yes, but like more into that is dying beautifully I guess how women always have to come off as beautiful like the way she was running and then fling herself against the wall Mm -hmm. she still looked very I guess like she looked disheveled but not disheveled enough to where it would be like realistic you know yeah and her hair was perfect through the whole movie yes and she was just and the only part of her outfit that got messed up was that she lost her shoes in the yard while she was running yep and even uh, even Helen, she was very beautiful. Like You made the comment, how did she end up with Harry? Because she's so beautiful and he looks like a racist. Mm-hmm. And then even Judy. Judy is like probably the prettiest person in the film. Mm-hmm. And she has the, she has what, two lines? Yeah, the least lines, the least like... I don't want to say purpose, because obviously every character serves a purpose, but I feel like not a whole lot would have changed if she was taken out of the film. Yeah. I feel like she was a model who was trying to get more limelight to be more famous, and that's how she got that gig, Hmm. or one of the reasons, you know? Because she looked like a model. Like, she really did. And I feel like that's probably one of the reasons why she got that gig. Not necessarily because she looked that way, but that was, like, her mode of trying to get... Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, talking about that, let's go ahead and get into our thoughts. What'd you think? We know what you think. Well, yeah, obviously, I really like it. I think I really like, you know, everything about it, obviously, but the character dynamic, I think is one of the things that stands out to me the most, just because you have, you know, super angry Harry taking out his frustration and his hatred against Ben, who pretty much just, like, takes it in the whole film until he just can't do it anymore for safety. And I think that's just such... Like, I I know that it's been in other films, Mm -hmm. but I struggle to name one off the top of my head. Yeah. And I think, like, you know, obviously I mentioned earlier that when I was younger and I first saw this movie, I really liked Barbara. Because I think, I don't want to say she's, like, the blueprint for the final girl, but you can definitely see... She walked. Yeah, she walked so Sally Hardesty could run. Yep. Without losing her shoes. (laughs) But, yeah, I just, like, generally, overall... I really like this movie and the, like, emotion and the thoughts that it provokes because there's so much packed into it all under the guise, the symbolism of there's a zombie apocalypse starting. And as for my thoughts, I mean, I liked it. Um, On Letterboxd, I did put it at a... Three, but then this morning I was thinking maybe I should put it to four. I don't know. Maybe three and a half. Maybe I'll give it a three and a half. That's initially what I gave it, but after like just thinking about it more, I bumped it up to four. Yeah. So I I would give it four. Four. Oh my god! I forgot we did this. <laughs> hmm. Oh. Go ahead. Okay. Three and a half yellow shoes out of five. 
And we know they're yellow because we found the colorized version. <laughs> and I would say four flower wreaths out of five. Ooh, yes, I like it. But, like, I th- I think if if you just like horror in general, this is a you mu- you have to see it. Like, yeah. it made me cringe. Like, genuinely, I wasn't expecting it because it wasn't like I never expect much from older horror movies. Because a lot of it doesn't translate. Yeah, and like I I you just and either I, the effects are just yeah, weird or the content itself. Like we've progressed to where we can watch old things and know like what that person just said is wrong. Mm-hmm. The actions that this person is doing are, is wrong. It's just not socially acceptable anymore. But I feel like a majority of this film... is Subtle. Subtle enough yeah. to where it's it's still... Stuff like that happens now. Yeah. Just people, period. People, people might not want to admit that it happens now, but it does. Definitely. And it's crazy, the parallels. Like, please watch it. Like... Please. Yeah, even if you're not a horror movie fan, this film is not graphic. There's a couple of instances where there's, like, a flash or a small sequence of, like, flesh being torn apart. But Megan made the point, it just looks like a turkey leg. It really does look like a turkey leg. <laughs> so it's it's very, it's mild, it's palatable. So if you're, like, interested in kind of like seeing those parallels and like making those connections to what's going on today this is definitely a good movie to do it with and there are multiple different versions on youtube so there's literally no excuse not to watch it exactly free 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 all right let's pack it up pack it up all right so definitely contact us on our social media what do we have got twitter instagram email Follow us on Letterboxd. Yes. We can plug our Letterboxes on our Twitter. Yes, we will. I'm trying to get out of the habit of just logging everything, even that I've rewatched. I think in there it's like, you've logged head five times. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> like, maybe I should, or maybe The Graduate five times, I don't know. But I'm trying to just do first watches or things I haven't logged before. So, if you scroll too far back, you'll just see repeats of the same thing. <laughs> Fine. I find something new to say about a movie every time. <laughs> And I'm a letterboxed baby, so... Brand new. Brand spanking new. I finally got her to do it. She did. She did after, what? A year. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and just in case you don't remember how to spell our... (laughs) You have to do a Halloween remix. Oh, Jesus. R-E-E-L-Y-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. That was supposed to be spooky, scary, I heard that. Thank you. I did. I heard a little bit. Thank you. Toward the end, it kind of filtered off. Yeah. yeah. We'll work on it. Yeah, we got this. We'll workshop that. (laughs) All right, guys. You have a good one, and thank you for listening to us. Join us next week as we look at, I believe, it will either be Night of the Creeps or What We Do in the Shadows. I don't remember the order that we decided those on, but I feel like it might be Night of the Creeps. I feel like it's what we do in the shadows. We'll put a poll on Twitter. Which one do you want to see first? Ooh! Ooh. Okay, guys. Y'all have a good one. Bye! Bye!